trouble on my mind. That's the attitude that got my ass off the sidelines. You either ride pine and cry about playing time, or you play the game divine, apply the pain, and embrace the grind. I was at the steeple spitting lethal rhyme. I got my partner in crime, and he ride to die, rise and shine. I'm AI in his prime. Even if my J's ain't tied, I play fine. Drive to the basket and attack the baseline. Before I step back, I cross your ass up like state lines. A few step backs, I got nine. White shooter Columbine, I guess I wasn't cut for the combine. Got my team in the back, we ain't even in the back nine. I just ramble and sip a handle of the act while I drive. We just get it high. You can't live life if you're scared to die. What's up, Pistons fans? Welcome to the Three Rings Podcast. Uh, before we get into today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Change. Uh, he's the rapper who you just heard on that song. That song was called uh, Ballin' Like It's 04, and that's from his mixtape Fade Away. So check him out on Instagram by IG handle Lil Dennis Rodman, as well as on Spotify. All right, so to get into today's episode, um, we're going to kick it off by talking about the rest of free agency. There are a few more interesting signings that happened. Um, we'll go over the summer league a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, any any um, anything to say on that, Vinayak or Aiden? I mean, yeah, no, the Pistons have just been recapping their free agency. They've been they've been you know working on their internal development, so they're keeping basically everyone who was on the team last season. So they re-signed uh, Frank Jackson, I believe, two years, six point two million. And they re-signed Ronnie Magruder uh, to a veterans minimum deal. So the Magruder deal is kind of interesting because uh, there was a lot of uh, backlash on like Twitter and social media about what does this mean for Hamadou Diallo. But from the gist of it, basically, it sounds like the Pistons they can make they can make it work. They can uh, move some move some players around or wave some players if they want Diallo back. But right now, currently, there's not a roster spot for Hamadou Diallo. So it is interesting to see um, how they go about how they go about the Diallo situation. And I, I do think it's going to be something that's going to take like a week or so. it's going to take its time. It's not going to be something where it's like, we're going to hear something soon for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously they drafted Cade and then they resigned Magruder and Frank Jackson. So my, my guess is, and they signed Saban Lee too. So my guess is, is that one of those three guys or maybe even two of those three guys get traded this year for like cash considerations or an extra pick or something like that. So, so I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the Hamadou Diallo spot is closed, but I don't, I don't know if uh, Balsa or Garza will make the team, but for how well Garza has been playing in summer league, maybe he's the last roster spot, but obviously I think a couple of those guys are going to get option to the G league. Yeah, no, I was going to say, because I know last episode we talked about Seku and the issues that he's had. And while he's looked, you know, decent, at least, especially on the defensive side in the summer league, um, I still maintain that I think he'll get moved. Um, maybe not very soon, but I think down the line um, for the Pistons. And yeah, I mean, with second round picks, you can always option them to the G League and so on. And so I could definitely see that with Luke Garza, even though he's playing well in the summer league. Um, Balsa, I don't see making the team. Um, I mean, I know he had his first game on Tuesday against the Rockets, but he didn't really look good. Um, and so it's interesting. I mean, I I think going into free agency, one of the top priorities the Pistons had to have was re-signing Diallo. 
And I think they've kind of been lucky with how the market's played out because there hasn't been too much interest with them. Um, and so, you know, I think if they can get him for cheap and re-sign him and also hopefully get him for just a year or two back, I think that would be a great deal because I think he works perfectly um, next to Kate. I think he would work well next to Killian as well. Um, and so we'll see. Um, I do know, by the way, that I saw him with the team in Las Vegas. I saw a couple of like Instagram posts about that. Um, so that's maybe some good signs. Um, but yeah, so there are other um, news and free agency that happened that Schroeder signed with the Celtics. Um, I don't know if you guys wanted to add anything on that or also any other signings. Um, yeah, no. I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll just go first, bro. Uh, first with Dennis Schroeder. Just let's, let's just have a moment of silence for Dennis Schroeder. Just, just tragic, just the amount of money he gave up. But uh, I think, I think it's good for him. I mean, he knows, he knows he made kind of a mistake by turn, like passing up that much money, and he's gonna have a chance in Boston to prove, I guess, everyone wrong. I mean, Boston, outside of Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, you know that that roster is not. It's not, it's all, it's barely, you know, a functioning NBA. They don't have many players to say the least. So I think Dennis Schroeder will definitely get his opportunity to shine. Um, another one with another signing too. I'd like to uh, shout out, shout out to Reggie Jackson signing back with the Clippers who are now running it back. They're completely, they're bringing the whole squad back. Nicholas Batum also resigned. Um, and they also got Justice Winslow. So the Clippers are having themselves a pretty good um, off season. It looked like there could be some chaos with Kawhi's free agency, but he also is signing back. So shout out to the Clippers as well, for sure. Yeah, I, I just want to touch on Schroeder again. Like, he fumbled the bag so damn hard. Like, he he got offered what? It was like four years, 80-some-odd million, and then turned it down. He was like, no, I'm too good for this. And he got 5.9 for a year. But he'll probably get a, a longer uh, contract. Uh, next season but uh also shout out to the knicks for being dumb as fuck too uh signing kemba for like 20 million a year and then also signing evan fournier for like yeah like four years 80 million too i just i just think those are bad accusation or or acquisitions (laughs) because uh because kemba's old and he's he's he was pretty washed on boston and Evan Fournier is kind of just super one-dimensional. And there's only like a mid-range shooter. He can't really do anything else. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year either. So, yeah, that's kind of my final thoughts on free agency. Yeah, I was just going to say, I know we talked about this briefly last episode too. Um but it kind of goes into what the Knicks have been doing, but I've been shocked with like the amount of money that's just been thrown around this summer. Um, I mean, Chris Paul is going to be making 30 million when he's 40 years old. And you can say what you want about Chris Paul. He's a great player. Um, There's no doubt about it, but I think we're already kind of seeing the decline in his play. I mean, even in Houston, we, we saw a little bit a few years back, um, and then obviously he was great in OKC, but he's simply not the same player that he used to be. Um, and then in the finals this year, like he, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't the leading scorer for them. He wasn't even their number two option. I mean, he really shied away from the ball for quite a bit. And so the fact that in four years from now, he's going to be making 30 million a year. That's, I don't know. That's kind of crazy to me. And then kind of what you're saying, 
the Knicks really gave four years and 78 million to Evan Fournier. Like I was, I was also shocked by that because he's getting up there in age. And then they give Kemba Walker a pretty big deal too, as well as Nerlens Noel, I think thir- three years, $32 million deal. Like, I don't know. There, there's a lot of money going around that I just was a little confused about. Um, and, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think these teams are kind of overpaying, especially this summer, um, just because it was a pretty good free agency group. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it works in the long term. Uh, I guess the next thing that we wanted to get into was the summer league. So the Pistons played um, the Thunder on Sunday. Cade had his debut. He had 12 points in that game. Luca Garza had nine points. Sadiq Bay had 14 points, 12 rebounds. Um you know, we can go over that as well as the game on Tuesday against the Houston Rockets and number two pick Jalen Green. Um, so, yeah, I don't know who wants to get it started, but, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I go. Uh, so, uh, for the first game, actually both games were really similar in the sense that the Pistons, they jumped out to a really large lead and then they just blew it and never, and the game never really got close after that. But starting with, like, the OKC game, um, from the beginning, it kind of looked like Sadiq Bay was like he was one of those players where he's, you just wonder like why is he in the summer league? Although he did struggle more in the Rockets game, but in the Thunder game, you do wonder like why was he playing? Because he really looked like a man amongst them. Like Sadiq Bay got big. I don't know if you guys have seen him. Like he's huge now. Like I don't remember seeing him like that. And he looks like he's been working on different parts of his game, especially like stuff off the dribble. Um, even when he was in his rookie year, when he was shooting threes, he did do some off the dribble stuff, but we're seeing more, more stuff in his bag. You know, we're seeing the fadeaway. We're seeing, we're seeing him do with all his mid range and he's just looking, he's looking to be, you know, not a three and D, but you can add a little bit more to his game and, and, you know, increase his ceiling. So that was really good to see. But I think uh, what most people kind of want to talk, most we want to hear is that, that Cade, Killian and Saban Lee lineup it just it's just really it really it really um it's a pet peeve it's it's really tough to watch I I can't stand seeing Kay Cunningham in the corner and just and you know it's not even like Killian Hayes has the ball it's literally in Saban Lee's hands like Saban Lee is getting I and respect to Saban Lee you know I know you need to get your you need to show everyone that you're worthy of a contract but you know it's been the summer league I would say the coaching has been questionable um yeah, it's been it's been tough. I feel like both Kate and Killian have been kind of robbed of like having the ball in their hands. I don't know what you guys think about that, but yeah, it's it's been frustrating for sure. I mean, obviously, like before the draft or like during the draft, we talked about drafting just the best player available rather than drafting for fit. And I think they're they're getting to see that right now that you know he Cade still is probably the best player in this draft, but molding him with Killian could be you know, a struggle at first. And I think Saban Lee, obviously, like Saban Lee, Killian, and Cade, it's not, they're not going to be on the same lineup come the regular season. But yeah, I mean, like Sadiq Bey, he looked like quality control kind of, where, you know, he wasn't doing everything. He was just kind of watching, seeing what everyone else was doing, kind of just being there, being a leader. Cade also looked like, you know, a veteran. He looked like a proven leader and he was, you know, showing guys what to do and where to go. Um, yeah, Saban Lee took a, a couple bad shots in that OKC game. Took a lot of contested threes that he probably shouldn't have because I don't think he's that great of a shooter. 
They miss they miss like a lot of foul shots too. Um, I think the first game they just like struggled with spacing and everything as well. Obviously, Tyler Cook was kind of a talking point and kind of just <laughs> kind of got outed by missing like four or five assists that Cade could have had. But yeah, I think it was a little bit better in the Rockets game just overall as a team. But yeah, I mean, both of the games, they just struggled uh, after the first quarter. And yeah, they just kind of went, they went on runs. We're just on and off. I do want to say that the Rockets game, I tweeted this from the from the Twitter account that the difference in that game is they they uh the Rockets hit seven more threes, so that's 21 points, and they lost by 20. So if the the Pistons match that, they're they're probably winning that game. But uh but yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts from the the past two games. Yeah, and I mean the Rockets also they shot forty four percent from three in that game too, like because I was gonna say it seemed like every three they took they were making like it was getting really frustrating to watch actually, um, but yeah I was gonna say too I think we're kind of seeing like this experiment of Killian and Cade uh, working out or possibly not working out um, because in that OKC game you know they started the game with. Cade and Killian on the floor, obviously, but Killian was the primary ball handler. And like you guys are saying, Killian or Cade would just sit in the corner. Um, and so I don't know. I, I was not a fan of that. Um, I know that's just them trying to utilize their talents because Killian, I would say, should be a ball handler, you know, a primary ball handler on a team. But when you get a guy like Cade, number one, I think you really got to just put the ball in his hands and let him just go to work, you know? And so that was kind of frustrating to see. But one interesting thing was um, in the second half, they kind of switched it up against OKC. I mean, um, because K got the ball a lot more and he was bringing it up more. Um, And honestly, I thought he started playing better. I thought the offense started moving better. I know the Pistons got behind in that game. Um, They had an awful third quarter, but then they turned it around the fourth. Um, And I think a lot of that was Cade and also his playmaking. And yeah, I mean, we said rip Tyler Cook last episode, but man. (laughs) I don't know if he can play in, I, even in I'd the I'd like summer. to apologize. I'd like to apologize about that. <laughs> I take away my Rip Tyler Cook. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, he fumbled like five or six passes from Cade, uh, which which I know Pistons fans were always looking at, you know, stats and everything. And so that was annoying because Cade should have at least had five or six more assists um, if Tyler Cook just didn't have butter on his hands or something. But, yeah, no. And I think the second game against Houston was pretty interesting too. Um, But again, I just thought the pieces that Houston had around Jalen green were just a lot better than the guys who the Pistons had around Cade and also fit a lot better. Um, Cause I've also been saying this since draft night, I I think Cade is the best player in the draft. I think he's the best all around player, but if teams were to draft on fit that high, Detroit would have taken Jalen green and the Rockets would have taken Cade because the Rockets need that primary ball handler. And I know they have John Wall, but let's be real. John Wall is not going to be on the team for more than two years. Um, and I mean, especially with the Rockets also having Kevin Porter Jr. And also now Josh Christopher too. They have, you know, kind of ball dominant players. Detroit, we don't need as much a ball handler, a guy who holds onto the ball a lot and is a big playmaker. That's what they got Killian for. And so 
I don't know. I kind of, I look at that and I say, Jalen Green would have been perfect next to Killian. He could have taken the pressure off of Killian by, you know, scoring in bunches and scoring like really often. Cause I think he's going to be a leading scorer in the league down the line. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Also another interesting development, by the way, Alperin Shengun. I know Vinayak, you mentioned him in the last episode, but he had a hell of a game, 21 points, eight rebounds, three assists against Detroit. What are you guys thinking about him? Yeah, no, I was, I was pretty impressed. So there's actually, there's actually two parts to this. So I was really impressed by just his ability to just, he also did it in his first game, this ability to like draw contact and get to the foul line. He seems that he's going to be able to do that easily in the, in the NBA. And also I think, um, his ability which really impressed me was his ability to space the floor. We all saw that deep three he had. And if he has that in his game, that's going to be pretty, that's going to be good. I think Shangun's going to be a really good player, but I do have to like add that he was doing this against Luca Garza and Tyler Cook. So it is worth considering that the Pistons, this, our summer league team, just does not have like a center presence. Like we're really missing Isaiah Stewart badly. You can just see it on defense and even around the rim. I honestly think we should maybe consider putting Seku at the center because Tyler Cook and Garza really just, I don't know. They're just not mobile. They just don't play good defense, but I'm getting off track here for Shane Goon, I'm, I was really impressed. And I think the Rockets definitely feel like they got a steal in him. And he may, he may be, there's a reason why uh, people like John Hollinger and people have analytics, people had him like number three on their board, you know, because the analytics favor and his game is built. It's built for analytics, high efficiency. It's around the rim. It's just for him, you know, it's just, can he, can he get there on the defensive end? Can he be, you know, a threat on the defensive end? Can he also space the floor, you know, the three we saw was a good sign, but, you know, that was one of the cons of Shangun coming in. People weren't sure if he was just going to be a post player, like a Jalil Oak. The Jalil Okafor is like the extreme case, but was he going to be like the Jalil Okafor, just post player who's really good? Or is he going to be someone who can space the floor? So that would be something to watch for Shangun. But so far, he's had a really good summer league. And the Rockets overall, man, like if you guys want to just talk about them, they just have had like a pretty good draft. I'd say. I think Jalen Green, Josh Christopher and uh, Alfred Shangun. They all look. They all look like they're gonna have their roles, really good roles in the NBA. What do you What do you guys think about the Rockets? Yeah, I mean, Shangun was their third pick of their four picks in the first round. We still for, uh, don't forget about Usman Garuba, who's uh, he was on the Olympic team for Spain. So uh, yeah, he was their second pick, and then obviously Christopher was their last pick in the first round. But we we talked about this off the pod that this team, like the Pistons specifically, struggled against the Rockets last night just because of athleticism. They just had so many more athletes than the Pistons um, with Jay Gupp, uh, Jalen Green. Shangun showed some some athleticism, especially against Garza, who's not really the greatest defender. So, I mean, this team is pretty raw, or like the Rockets are pretty raw. But they they could be they could be pretty good. I don't think they're like playoff or playing level team yet. But that that's definitely a good start. And they might be a little bit ahead of the Pistons in terms of a rebuild, even though they still have guys like John Wall and stuff, and they're still figuring out figuring it out. But having four picks in one draft definitely uh, definitely sped up their their rebuild kind of like last year with the Pistons with three picks. So, yeah, 
but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see about Killian. The jury's still out on him. And obviously, Bay and Stewart look like they're going to be solid NBA players, but I don't think they'll be like blossoming all stars or anything like that. I think Kate is really the only all star we really have, but we'll see. Obviously, I don't want to jump the gun on Houston either and be like, oh, they have they just drafted like four all stars, but I don't I don't think that's the case. But I do think that their their ceilings for their four rookies are a lot higher than uh the three first round picks the Pistons had last year in Cade. But yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean I was really impressed with Singu and I thought he honestly he kind of reminded me of Jokic a little bit. Um I don't know, just maybe in the way he moves and also his shot looked pretty similar. Uh, Cause I mean, he hit that one D three from the logo. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know he had that in his game, but um, yeah, no, he looks good. I, I was going to say Josh Christopher looked fantastic to me. Um, I mean, I know, you know, I'm a Michigan fan, obviously, as well as Michigan student. We're, we're not very fond of Josh Christopher here. Um, <laughs> kind of screwed over the Michigan basketball program in Juwan. But, you know, that's, that's okay as water under the bridge, I guess. But Christopher looked fantastic. Like, he had 15 points. He shot 6 of 12 from the field. And that's probably, that's one thing about Josh Christopher is that he shoots a lot. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to be the type of player that there's going to be days that he's making them. And I could see him just exploding for 30, 40 points or something like that. There's also going to be days where nothing's going well. And honestly, he's still going to keep shooting and probably have nights where he's like, I don't know, three for 17 or something like that. That's just the type of player he is, but he looked a lot better than I expected. He's also a lot stronger um, than I remember from him at Arizona state. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen anything of Usman Gruba either, Um, but I mean, he's getting some good pro level experience pretty much with um, the Spain Olympics team. And so, yeah, I think the Rockets are in a, they're in a good spot, man. Um, we'll see. I'm not sure if I'd say they're ahead of the Pistons. At least I hope not um, in terms of the rebuild process. But I mean, I was going to say with, with how the Pistons have been playing, by the way, um, one guy that I, at least I want to see a lot more of is Sadiq Bay because he's, he's trying a lot of new things. And I know you talked about that a little bit earlier tonight, but, and, and I like that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, his mold is kind of being a three and D player. And I don't know, we haven't seen as much of how you, how he played last year in his rookie season, um, as to what he's doing now in the summer league. And so hopefully he can continue to develop, you know, his dribbling skills as well as his post fadeaway game. Cause we've seen quite a few of those fadeaways in the summer league so far. Um, and if he can, I mean, his potential will skyrocket, but I will say at the same time, you know, considering that he's a first team all rookie player from last year, I feel like he should be dominating the summer league. And the fact that he put up, I mean, 14 points isn't bad by any means in the first game. Uh, but last night, you know, 12 points, I want to see him just absolutely go off in one of these next two games. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully he does. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask you guys, are there any other players in the summer league right now that are really standing out to you? Um, you know, I know Vinayak's a big fan of Zaire Williams, says he's a future all-star, but any updates with him or any other stars or future stars, I guess? Um, uh, you know, the summer league is not necessarily doesn't prove a player's worth. No. Um, 
with Zyra Williams, you know, it, you know, it, obviously he's definitely a raw product. He's a raw project. And if you look at his tape in Stanford, it's not pretty at all. You know, he probably like, if you look at it from an analytics standpoint, he probably had one of the worst seasons ever. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people had him in the second round for that reason. But I think I, for me, I was just buying his potential from his high school tape. So he hasn't shown much. Neither has like another pick that like Josh Primo. Josh Primo's had some moments, but nothing too crazy. But one player that has impressed me in the summer league, um, Trey Murphy of the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, he came out of Virginia and people already labeled him as a three and D shoot, a three and D type of guy. I mean, he, he was in the 50, 40, 90 club, I believe in, in Virginia, but he's really come out in the summer league and just been impressive overall. You know, I didn't know he had that athleticism to his game. I saw he had a dunk and he had uh, 26 points in his uh, summer league, I believe his first summer league game. So he's been really impressive. You know, I think he's doing, he's doing a lot. I'm um, also, Another player, Patrick Williams, um, he rose in the 2020 draft. This is his second, this is his first summer league, but his second year. He rose in the 2020 draft up to number four. People were kind of kind of head scratching, kind of, you know, kind of wondering about that pick, but I think it's working well. I think that's the type of player that Troy Weaver really like covets, like the player with the long wingspan, just like the fit, like the Jonathan Kumingas of the world, you know, there's a really nice built NBA body. And it's really, I'm really glad to see him putting it together and, you know, just dominate the summer league. You know, like you said, we should probably be expecting this from Sadiq Bay. But I don't know. I guess Sadiq Bay is just maybe not that type of maybe he's the only type of player to like score much, score a lot when he's hitting threes. But those are my two players that stand out for me for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna go with probably Scotty Barnes and Jalen Suggs. Because obviously on draft night, people are a little surprised that uh, they the Raptors picked Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs, and then Kyle Lowry walked. And then, yeah, so they're kind of just stuck with Van Vliet. But, uh, but he kind of stuck out. He played well at the first game. He had, like, a double-double. I think it was, like, 18 and, like, 10 or something like that. And he was, he was pretty solid. Obviously, he's really raw offensively, but he kind of showed that he's been working on his game offensively um had like some nice pick and roll moves um and then Jalen Suggs uh obviously Orlando's kind of log jammed at point guard right now but he can easily work his way to the top because none of those guys are like really good but yeah he 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 played pretty well but uh also want to point out uh other other uh, Orlando Magic first round pick, Franz Wagner, did not have the best outing. Uh, he had like five points, I think, and yeah, he kind of he kind of struggled the first game. And then obviously we talked about like how much stock should we buy into summer league. So yeah, I, that's all I'm gonna leave that at. But I think uh, Suggs and Barnes played pretty well. I also want to talk about like the the Hawks for a sec. Because I do think that they had a really good draft in terms of value players, getting Jalen Johnson at 20, and then also Sharif Cooper. I think that those were some pretty key pickups later in the draft, and it's looking like they're they're turning out to be all right. And I think uh, Jalen Johnson will probably play over guys like Cam Reddish um, for the Hawks' like actual team. And then Sharif Cooper will probably be a solid backup. Uh, I do think they did re-sign Lou Williams, but I think he's a solid backup. And I think if he played a full season at Auburn, 
probably would have been a lock in the first round and probably a potential lottery pick just because of how good he was in high school. But yeah, just the lack of tape in college kind of killed his stock. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of like you guys are saying, obviously I feel like the number one thing to say is obviously not to overreact with everything that happens in the summer league. Um, Because, you know, I know Pistons fans are (laughs) kind of got worried about Kate Cunningham after the first game. But, you know, just to throw some numbers out there, Derrick Rose averaged like nine and a half points in the summer league. And that was, of course, the summer right before he had the rookie of the year season where he was spectacular. And uh, LeBron James only averaged like 14 and a half. So, you know, it doesn't mean too much at the end of the day in terms of a, you know, a player's future correctory or trajectory. Um, but yeah, I thought there were some players that had, you know, quite a few good games. Honestly, it was a lot of, for me, a lot of second year players that looked good. Um, Emmanuel quickly dropped a 30 piece. Um, I think that was on Monday and he looked pretty good. I mean, I really like quickly with the Knicks. Um, he had a pretty good season. I think he was all rookie second team. I want to say, I know Knicks fans are arguing that he should have been all rookie first team over Sadiq Bay or Jay Sean Tate, but, um, you know, I think that's probably where he should have gone. Um, but he looks pretty good. Um, and then same thing with Patrick Williams. I know when I, you mentioned him, but he looked fantastic the other day. Um, and so again, I feel like that's kind of what these guys need to be doing. If they're, if you're going into your second year, um, and then same thing with Aaron Nesmith or Nesmith, by the way. Um, I think he dropped 33 on Tuesday also. And so I know that's another guy that Troy Reaver was really interested in. Um, and then, yeah, to go back to the Hawks, kind of like you were saying, Sharif Cooper looked great. He's a way better shooter than everyone was saying. I know scouts were talking about that nonstop, um, but he looked really good um, the other night. Jalen Johnson looked very good. It'll be interesting, though, to see how those guys fit in with the Hawks. Um, Because, again, like you were saying, they brought back Lou Will. Um, And in general, I do kind of worry with Sharif Sharif Cooper because I think he's like 5'11 or 6 feet tall, exactly. Um, He might struggle a little bit in the NBA with bigger, more athletic guys. Um, But, I mean, I guess that remains to be seen. And then Jalen Johnson, Johnson, the Hawks kind of have a log jam up front, um, you know, with guys like John Collins on Yeka, Okonkwo, um, Clint Capella too. So, you know, we'll see how these guys fit in. Um, but kind of like I said in the last episode, they got the value picks. They picked the best player available that, you know, everyone has been talking about as possible steals of the draft. Um, and so good for them. It's looking good in the summer league. And so I guess they'll figure out the fit a little bit later. Um, I do want to, I do want to add this quickly going off of what you're saying. I do think that Sharif for going to Hawks is a great fit too, just because you were talking about size and I think Trey young and Lou Williams are great guys to learn behind, especially with their lack of size too. And then also you talk about Braun and was uh, not not having the, the greatest stats. I, I think that's something we should like totally look into as parallels because obviously like first overall you're not staying healthy and like being ready for the regular season. So I do think that's important. And then I mean like you're going up against guys who like 
might be flipping burgers at McDonald's next week. So like, they're going to try a lot harder than you. So like, you just, you also have to look at like how much effort Cade was really putting into that game compared to like a dude who's an undrafted free agent. So, yeah. Yeah, no, but just to like, um, just let's get back to the Pistons. So yesterday, as we know, it was the Pistons versus the Rockets. Uh, the main thing was Kate Cunningham versus Jalen Green. Um, and like, there, you've heard mixed reviews. Uh, some people were saying Jalen Green is the better player, especially after the first game. They didn't play each other in the first game, but Jalen Green had like 23 in the first game, and I think he had 25 in this one. So just for me with the Kate versus Jalen debate, I think Jalen Green is, first of all, he's going to be a phenomenal player. I'm sorry, Pistons fans, and it, it hurts me too. As much as I want to see one just rise, especially I just want to see Cade be the best player. Jalen Green's going to be a baller. He's going to be an all-star. I, even, I know summer league, we shouldn't take it too much into account, but I can, those two players are going to be really good. But the thing is, I thought when Jalen Green was on the floor while Cade was, while they were both on the floor, I felt like Jalen Green looked a little bit more timid. I feel like Cade just had better control of the game. And let's give props to both Cade and Killian for when matched up against Jalen Green locking him up i know jalen green like the the numbers look good like i think he was six for 11 but in that game i think he got blocked by Cade. i know killian gave him a lot of havoc and he airballed shots so i was actually i was really impressed by killian hayes because that's one knock on him right he doesn't have that athleticism and jalen green is as good as good of an athlete as it gets that's like 99 percentile athleticism so i was really glad to see killian stay in front of him but the way Cade just when he went up with the screen and then hit it behind the back on Jalen or maybe it was like a cross. I forgot, but he crossed over Jalen green and hit the three that just did wonders for my ego. So it was, it was, it was good to see. Uh, it was definitely good to see Kate and Jalen just get back. And it's hopefully it's the first of many battles for them for sure. But yeah. what do you guys think about it? Yeah. I mean, one thing I was going to say, by the way, with Kate that I really like from watching those games is that his leadership is just off the charts for a young player. Like, I mean, this dude, I remember against OKC, um, Killing went up for a layup and he got knocked down. And you could see Cade running all the way from the bottom of the screen, like the bottom of the court, all the way up to Killian and immediately helps him up. Like, he is a great teammate. And that's something that all the Oklahoma State coaches and teammates were saying. Um, and you can just tell with the, with the amount of communication that he has. I know ESPN was constantly showing, like uh, – his wired because um, they, they had the speaker on him or whatever, and they were showing his conversations in game with everyone. And I mean, he communicates a lot. Um, and so I think with Cade, not only are you getting a great player, but you're getting a true leader. Um, and then also with Jalen Green, by the way, I don't, I don't understand why a lot of people are surprised with how well he's playing because he played on the G league ignite. I mean, he played pretty much this exact competition for a whole year though. I guess I know they only had like 15 games or whatever, but like he's used to playing these type of guys who, you know, are NBA prospects played in the league maybe for a little bit. Um, And so at least I'm not surprised at all. Um, The question with him will be, how does he do um, with great defenders guarding him? Um, Because Caden Killian absolutely locked him up. Like you were saying, um, I mean, I know in that first quarter, Jalen Green only had four points and those were all off free throws. And by the way, 10 of his 25 points are off free throws, which is fine and all, because um, 
at the end of the day, basketball, especially the NBA nowadays has also become more of a free throw game than it has ever been. Um, but I don't know. I, I thought the way that those two that were guarding him, cause they had Caden Killian on him a lot. I, I was pretty impressed by that. And most of Jalen's scoring was when those guys were off the court. Um, so I thought that looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know one thing that we were thinking of getting into was Seku. Um, cause man, we're all hoping that he gets better and he takes that next step in his development. But I, I just don't know, at least offensively for me, it's just, it's not there at all. Like defensively against OKC, I know he had five blocks. He looked really good defensively. And the thing I like about Seku is that he can guard a lot of positions. Like honestly, I could see him guarding, you know, three through five. Um, but man, he just, he needs to get that offensive game going. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't see him really developing into a great NBA player, even a solid one until he does that. But I don't know. That's just me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he looked, I think, I think the team as a whole looked really good defensively, especially like help defense. They cut off a lot of jump passes, got a lot of steals that way. Um, Saban Lee and Killian had a few good strips. Um, I, I thought, yeah, the defense as a whole was pretty good. Siku against OKC looked dominant, especially guarding guys like yeah, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who is who's a good first round pick, um, proven player out of college. So yeah, I think that helps. But yeah, offensively, yeah, Siku struggled a little bit. Um, I do want to say because I did pull this up that. Jalen Green had 22 last night, and 18 of those 22 points were when Cade was on the bench. So do with that as you will. He also had 10 of those points from the line. So yeah, <laughs> again, do with that what you what you will. But uh, but yeah, I think I think they'll be fine. I I'm not really worried. Again, it's a rebuild, so I'm not gonna you know fast track it or try to push it um faster than it needs to go but i i think i think uh again how much how much are we gonna buy stock into this and yeah it's just all it's all subjective right now basically on what you what you make of it so yeah i'm not really super worried but i am yeah i do think that siku does need to progress offensively because you could tell he progressed defensively over the years but not really offensively. I think the same, the same with Killian. They need to find Killian um, and make him a threat off the ball. I think that's that's a big deal because if you if you make him a threat off the ball, that makes your whole team better. Because right now he's been taking the the point a lot. He's been a lead ball handler over Cade, and I think that could be a problem if if that progresses. Uh, just because he's not really a spot-up shooter, and Cade is, and you want Cade. I mean, you drafted him first overall to be your primary ball handler. You didn't draft him to be just like a regular wing. But yeah, but I mean, again, do it, do with this what you will. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, one thing I was going to say, by the way, um, just because we're talking about defense, is I think – so I, we don't know a starting lineup that Detroit will go with for sure. 
Um, I think it's pretty fair to say Cade will be in there. Sadiq will obviously be in there. Jeremy Grant too, and probably Isaiah Stewart at the five. Um, Kelly Olenek could be at the five. We'll see. Um, I do think if they put Killian at the two, or I guess it doesn't really matter, but you know, Cade and Killian in the combo guard spots, I think that's going to be a very good defensive lineup. Like, you know, they might have issues offensively. And I mean, we've talked about that over and over, but I think defensively, those guys are going to be very tough to play against because, you know, when you're looking at their perimeter, you're really going to have teams are going to have to go up against six foot eight, 220 pound Cade Cunningham. Um, and he's looked fantastic in the summer league defensively. I mean, he's been a way better defender than I even expected. Uh, and he's billed as being a pretty good defender out of college. Um, Killian is a fantastic defender, six foot five also, by the way. And so his offensive game is limited right now, but one thing that you can count on with him is he's going to bring it defensively. I know he's already gotten, I think he's gotten like three steals each of the first two games in the summer league. And he was doing that last year too. Um, and so that's really impressive. And then you have Sadiq Bay, who I believe is six foot seven. At least that's what I think he was listed as. He looks like he's a little bit bigger. I mean, his shoulders look a lot broader, by the way. <laughs> I know we were talking about that earlier, but he looks like like a man now in this in the summer league. Um, and then on top of that, you have Jeremy Grant, who is a fantastic defensive player um, at the at the four. And I think he's six foot eight. And then Isaiah Stewart is a fantastic defender um, in the inside. And so and I know he's he's a little bit undersized. He's listed as six, eight or six, nine. Um, but I mean, when he was starting last year, I think he was getting like two blocks a game. Like he looked really, really good. He's going to be a great interior defender. Um, and so I don't know, I think at least that's one bright side, um, to look at for, for the Pistons. Um, and then, you know, there's still a few months before the regular season starts a few more games in the summer league for these guys to mesh together a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully they can get it going offensively, but I am excited for the defense um, come the regular season. But yeah, I was going to ask you guys though, by the way, do you think, and I know it's only been two summer league games, but do you think that the Pistons roll out a starting lineup of Cade and Killian or do they go with Diallo if they bring him back or someone else? Uh, I've been, I've been actually thinking about this. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm in the party where I wouldn't be surprised if it was Cade and Diallo. And it's not necessarily a knock to Killian. I just think that starting lineup that you were just talking about just needs athleticism. They need like a baseline. And, you know, I feel like you have Cade, Killian, and Sadiq. All three of them are not good athletes. The only really athletes you will have is Jeremy Grant and and I guess Isaiah Stewart. Although Isaiah Stewart, like you mentioned, his height. He's not, he's not like gifted in that way. But, I mean, I guess he's still athletic. But I think Diallo will give them. A more a more scoring, not necessarily a scoring punch, but kind of a more aggressive player in general. He's definitely not the same defender as Killian Hayes is, but he can he can score the ball. He's not a good shooter, but he can score, he can score the ball. He can defend decently well. He can play make. He can do he can do it all for like a for a shooting guard. And I think the Pistons may want to go for with that. And also, I think it puts Cade and Killian in their optimal positions. I think. Both of them are on-ball players, and they both of them want the ball in their hands. And I think when you force one to go to to a shooting guard to off-ball position, it kind of really diminishes their like their value. So I think for Killian, even if even let's say he's coming off the bench, I think it'll be be really beneficial for him because he'll be able to play on the ball and he can see things. Because Killian's the guy who's making all these crazy passes and stuff, and he needs the ball in his hands to do that. So 
I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. I won't. I don't know how it'll play out, but um, I'm looking forward to see how how it does uh, shake out. I do want to give this a parallel. It's kind of like I'm not saying Cade is like Luka Doncic or Ken. They're they're different players, but um, it's kind of similar to when Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr. were like Luka Doncic got drafted and Dennis Smith Jr. was on the Mavericks. Now, granted, Dennis Smith Jr. is a completely different player from Killian Hayes. Like, it's not even close how different they are. But this idea that you have two guards that are going to be probably ball dominant. Like I know Dennis Smith, when he was playing, he was definitely um, on the ball. And then at some point, there's going to be a realization where one player is going to probably be clearly better than the other. In this case, I I think they're going to have to like really realize that, okay, Kate is the guy. And maybe then Smith got relegated. So maybe that's going to happen. So I think that they'll maybe actually try it out with Kate and Killian. But I don't think it should be something where they it has to like, you know, rest on it. It shouldn't be like, oh, you know, we want to make this work. But if there's an option that's better, such as Diallo, I think they should honestly consider that heavily. I was gonna, I was gonna make the comparison of Jamal Murray and Emmanuel Mudiay, but that that Dennis Smith, uh, <laughs> Dennis Smith and Luka Doncic also fits. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think they will actually, um, just because I think they'll both start. But honestly. What matters is probably at the end of the game more than what's at the beginning of the game. So I do think that Cade would be in the end of the game with Diallo um, and not Killian. So I guess I guess they could probably coexist, but I don't know. I, I definitely think that Dwayne Casey, you saw last year, he changed the lineup a ton. So I do think at the start of the season, like if you had to ask me, what the lineup would be game one, I, I would say that Killian and Kate do start together. But by the end of the season, it's it's probably gonna be um so it's probably gonna be Diallo. But I, I mean I don't know. That's just that's just my opinion. Yeah. And I mean the other thing I'll add is that um you know they can start them together. Um and then first of all everything's gonna be an experiment at the beginning of the regular season and in the preseason. Um, to go along with the summer league already, because th- I think the Pistons would love for those two to fit together because at the end of the day, they're two first round draft picks. Um, and so if you can get them to work together and play well together, I mean, you're utilizing all of your talents then um, in that way. Now, will they? I don't know. Um, but the other thing they'll add is, you know, I think you can start them together and then stagger their minutes for the rest of the game so that they're not actually playing a lot together. And so what I mean by that is you can start Killian and Cade for the first four minutes of the game and then switch the rotation and bring on Diallo for Killian, for example, and then have that personnel play for another four or five minutes. And then you sub Cade off and bring in Killian and so on and so forth. And so those those guys could you know if if it doesn't ends up end up working too well together, um, Dwayne Casey can you know use staggering minutes and stuff like that um, just so that they're on the floor at different times and maybe they start together but maybe they actually play together only for a little bit of time. Um, and so I guess the good news for Detroit is that by doing that you're going to have either Kate or Killian on the floor throughout the whole game, which is good hopefully killing can develop even more um so he turns into a better player but 
yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I know all of us are rooting for Killian and for Cade, you know, to work together and play well next to each other. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. So, so we're going to, Oh, sorry. Did you want to say something tonight? No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, so uh, we're, we're about to wrap it up. And so for, for every week uh, leading up to the season, we're going to, we're going to do some preseason awards. I don't know about every week, but like until we got more stuff to talk about, I guess um, we're going to do, do some like awards or like predictions of what we think is going to happen this year. So this week we're going to we're going to start it off with the most improved player. Um so obviously Jeremy Grant finished what did he was he like second or like third finishing in the MIP award last year. Um Julius Randle obviously won it, but we're going to do our predictions of who we think will win it this year. So who who we think. Um so yeah, how about the how about this? I'll I'll answer it for the Pistons and then I'll answer it for the NBA in general. So for the right, Pistons, yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll yeah, do yeah. yeah, we can do so for the Pistons. I think the most improved player. Oh, let me think. I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be probably. I want to say I'm gonna go with Hamadou Diallo. I know he already showed his if he if he's on the team. If he's off the team, then this didn't age well. But uh, I think he already showed flashes. I'm a, I'm just a big believer in Diallo. I just feel like he has all the physical traits that you want in a in a wing in today's NBA. And I honestly think if that jump shot works, like if he can start hitting that jump shot, which he he hit 39% of threes while he was in Detroit. I think if that correlates and he can actually start shooting the ball, I think he's he's at, he's at least a starter in this league and probably can be even more than that. Like I think Diallo is definitely someone who I who I really think will improve this year. And as for the NBA in general, um, I have to go with my man's Darius Garland <laughs> from the Cleveland Cavaliers. I bought his jersey from Macy's, you know, so I had to support the boy. <laughs> uh, you know, I just think uh, he he had a really good sophomore year. He had like 15 points, passed the ball well. He's like the efficient. I know Con, they talk about Con Sexton as like the scoring guy, but I think Darius Garland just gets lost in that conversation. You know, he was he was like a very efficient player, shot the ball well, and I think the addition of Evan Mobley is just going to, it's just going to free up, make it even easier for him. And I'm not sure what they do with Colin Sexton, whether they run it back or not, but I think Garland, he's improved each year. And I think he's definitely someone who I'm look, keeping an eye out for keeping an eye out for sure. Yeah. Um, yes. I guess for the Pistons, I would say the most improved player. Um, I'll go with Isaiah Stewart. Um, and I think he was already pretty good his rookie year. Um, I think he just didn't get enough playing time. And so I think, and we've talked about this before, but I think that he's going to have a breakout season. I'm a big fan of Isaiah Stewart. And so I could see him turning into a guy who averages maybe not next season, but I could see eventually like 15 points, 12 rebounds and like two blocks a game. Um, because I don't know, he's, he's that good defensively, first of all, and his hustle just, it's always going to get you points. And if he develops the three even more then I mean, it's, it's actually wraps. So I really like him. Um, I guess for the NBA, let me think real quick. Um, I don't know. I guess one guy that comes to mind is Terrence Mann actually for the Clippers. Um, I like that. 
Yeah, uh, I know. I know a few Pistons fans were confused. I thought he was playing for the Thunder, but that was actually a uh, Trey man. Uh, but no, I, I like Terrence Man. I think you know every now and then you see a guy in the playoffs, and they're usually younger guys that put together a really good run in the postseason, and it carries over to the regular season. And I think that could be Terrence Man because he looked fantastic in the playoffs. I mean, especially after Kawhi went down. Um, I mean, he had that one game against Utah where he had, I think, what, 37 points, something like that. Like, he looked fantastic. And he's, in general, when he came into the league, he was already a great defender. Um, and so that's just, that's going to continue. But if he gets a shot going even more um, and his offensive game in general, I mean, he's going to be a beast. And I, th- I think he already kind of is, but especially if he does that. So, yeah, we'll see. Another guy that I'll mention real quick, by the way, is Karis Levert. I think he's going to have a great season for Indiana. Uh, maybe not most improved, um, but I think he's going to have a fantastic season now that he's going to be really leading their offense. Because, I mean, in Brooklyn at the beginning of the season, he was stuck behind KD and Kyrie. Um, and so I think I think he'll be pretty good. I think the Pacers will be also solid in general, by the way. All right. For the Pistons, oh, um, you guys kind of took both my answers, but <laughs> I I think I'll go Siku on this one. Honestly, I do think I do think he'll have a larger role, and now that he has, like, you know, or like, I think I I've just seen enough improvement in summer league to to think that like he'll be better and he'll actually like get meaningful playing time on the team. I don't know how much, but I do think he's solidified himself as the number two, like, power forward behind uh, Jeremy Grant. But obviously, like, Olenek and stuff will play in his – and Stewart will play in his role. Um, For the NBA, oh, gee, I don't know. Honestly, I'll go Michael Porter Jr. I know he was in the running for it last year, but I do think he could make another I, – I do think he can make another jump um, just because he was the number one player in the class of 20 like 17 i think uh, or 20 it might have been earlier probably but yeah i just think he could be another like make another jump and be like an all-star and really help denver get to where they want to go and I, I didn't buy his jersey from macy's but i am a big fan <laughs> of his but yeah i i do think he's a a solid i, I think he's a solid player and I think that like Denver could definitely be title contenders this year and probably win the West, but that that's a pretty hot take, but yeah, we'll, we'll save that for another day. All right. So yeah. And I guess that's pretty much it for what we had today. Um, thank you, Vinayak and Aiden. Um, this was a good episode. Sure. Uh, also again, quick shout out to, uh, the rapper that we played at the beginning and we'll also play him again here at the end. Um, his Instagram handle again is little Dennis Rodman rapper named Ch- change, excuse me. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's it for the three rings podcast. Make sure to hit us up on Instagram. Um, just three rings podcast as well as Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, we appreciate the support and have a good one. Peace. Take a pull of Henny just to heat the whip. Trying to drive with my hands and my dick frostbit to the tip. On my way to cop a fade in a zip. That'll get played by a blood or a crib. Fuck, I need another sip. Cause you can't score if you can't even get a grip. 
And I refuse to ever get stripped Even when I'm going head to head with a legend like Rip I'ma die a legend in a triple fat that don't zip Coach told me I should learn to hustle like Nip I thought he meant rap for tits and trap for clits Now he mad I'm half-assing laps and practice shifts Fuck I can't run fast when these tabs are vast and hit Laughing in the middle of practice doing spastic shit Whacking my dick as soon as I'm back in the whip I'ma have to light my next blunt for Stephen A. Smith Mr. Phantom! 